What's going on, y'all? It's Philly Celeb, and before we get started, I want to say thank you to everybody that participated in our first ever Popcorn Matinee Film Festival, which was held at Rosemont College's Rockwood Theater. A big shout-out thank you to Rosemont College, and a big shout-out thank you to Professor Crawford for letting us use the venue. Now, today's guest on Popcorn Matinee, I have Rob Livens, one of the creators of the Christmas Tapes. Now, the Christmas Tapes is a Christmas movie, but it's also a horror movie, but it's also a found footage movie. And, you know, I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas TV show episodes and I love horror. And it's a perfect combination, a perfect mesh. So I had the privilege today to speak with Rob Livens, one of the creators of the Christmas Tapes. It's a definitely a dope movie. I definitely recommend that you check it out, whether you watch it on Tubi or any streaming platform. I think it's available on YouTube, too. But definitely check out the Christmas tapes. And this is my interview with Rob Livens, Popcorn Matinee. What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? You gonna bust a move, go ahead. Got a point to prove, go ahead. Got nothing to lose, go ahead. What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? You gonna bust a move, go ahead. Got a point to prove, go ahead. So Rob, tell me where you where tell me where are you from? Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm from uh, Perth, West Australia. Okay. So basically, yeah, the part of Australia where it's the opposite side of where everyone kind of assumes when you say you're from Australia. So you have the East Coast with Melbourne and Sydney, and I'm a solid five six hour flight on the other side. Oh but yeah, I've been here five years. Been here five years now. Okay. Okay. What um what made you start your filmmaking journey? Um, I was just always interested in film. I think, uh, like growing up as a teenager, I was always kind of like, just, I don't know, I, every, like I played a lot of sports, but I was always more excited about going to the video store, um, which led to me getting a job in a video store and then working in cinema and going to film school. And, um, I know my, my mom was a big horror movie fan. My dad was a big comedy fan. So that kind of really shaped what I watched. And, uh, yeah, I just, um, kind of started started making stuff and it kind of never never really stopped it's been uh been a whirlwind since i was about 17 so yeah okay so you went to uh school for filmmaking what school did you attend i did i went to i went to a couple so i went to uh the uh to it was tafe at the time but now it's called the central institute of technology it's probably the only film school left in australia that uh, still shoots on film so you do a lot of analog stuff so you kind of have to learn from the ground up which is really cool um because obviously everything's digital now uh for the most part at least in the indie scene because film's so expensive so that was fun and then I, I finished off my degree at the uh west australian uh, academy of performing arts um at the uh what was it called the wasa <laughs> it's been a while uh the wa screen academy which is part of uh wasa so uh that was a really cool place to do my my final year and work with a bunch of amazing filmmakers who are out there still doing great things okay okay that's good so you said um, your mom is a big horror, was a, a big horror movie fan, and your dad was in a comedy. So, like, what films <laughs> inspired? What films inspired you to, to become a filmmaker? Um, yeah, I mean, it was funny because my dad 
didn't like horror so like and then my mum realized I did so she started taking me to the movies to see the horror films um so she had someone to go with which was cool but I think uh I think influential films for me um it's probably a little cliched but Donnie Darko really kind of opened my eyes and I think it's more like most people I've talked to who were inspired by that film um which I wouldn't say as a horror film I mean it's got horror themes but uh just the fact it was made by someone so young and it had such a big kind of message and impact on so many people. Um, and also just seeing it was like the little film that could, like it failed on release and then eventually found its audience and now is that kind of cult hit of today. Um, and then I think what inspired me later on uh, was probably more like the mumblecore movement, so films of the Duplass brothers, Joe Swanberg, Lynn Shelton, um, which <laughs> led to myself and my directing partner, Randy, uh, making our own mumblecore film during COVID called uh, The Other Girl, um, something we'd always kind of like wanted to do. Um, and then we were like, well, how can we, how can we kind of use this to make genre films? Because we, we always knew we wanted to kind of like land in the genre space. And uh, yeah, we just felt we, we kind of dabbled with the found footage area because that kind of worked. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what led to us making Infrared, which then in turn led to us making the Christmas tapes. I didn't watch Infrared yet, but I'm definitely going to check it out. So what So what made you want to do found footage films, and what made you want to do a found footage anthology? The first part of that question was uh, kind of, well, again, we were still in the middle of COVID, and um, we were just like, well, we want to make we want to make a horror movie, but we're kind of limited to what we can do on set and what, who we can have on set, um, with all of the COVID restrictions in place. Uh, so we kind of, we were like, well, how can we do it? So the cast is the crew, um, and found footage like lent itself perfectly to that. And it's, it's a genre that I'd, I'd been intrigued by it. I hadn't, I, and I'd seen a lot of them and I, I genuinely think they can be some of the scarier films because they have that realistic feeling when they're done right. And, uh, so I got Randy on board for that and, uh, basically gave him uh, a roll of text of films to check out. And then we kind of, we started from there and it worked out really well. We had, we got access to Greg Sestero, um, through our other producer, Travis, and, uh, he, he kind of came in really, really ready to work for that one. So when we finished infrared, uh, we were just kind of like, well, what's going to happen next? We thought like, that's it. We're done with it. We're done with found footage. That was that we can now go back, go more into the back into the traditional style of filmmaking. And uh, Greg sent me a text one day saying he wanted to like kind of play that character again from Infrared. And um, which because he had a lot of fun doing it. You haven't seen Infrared yet, but you've seen his character in the Christmas tapes. You kind of get the get the idea of the vibe. Yes. And um, uh, so we were like, okay. And then it started. Uh, I, I want to say it was a joke, but I was like, we should do a Christmas a Christmas movie with this Jeff character. Uh, which then led to us being like, well, Christmas horror is kind of a really cool subgenre. It's one of my favorite subgenres. Um, any holiday themed uh, horror film is cool. And then we were like, well, I wonder if there's a there's not a whole lot of anthology Christmas horrors out there, and I don't think there's any other anthology Christmas horror found footage films out there. So we just started kind of throwing some ideas around. We started reaching out to a couple of other actors. We were able to get. Dave Sheridan on board and we got um, Vernon Wells who obviously another Australian and I mean working with Bennett from Commando can't be uh, can't beat that uh, and uh, so we started kind of writing writing the stuff for that and working that and um, what was really interesting is we had a really busy year so we, because we did anthology it also meant that we could break up the shoot because it's essentially 
if you include the wraparound, we've essentially got five short films there. So we're able to kind of, well, all right, we'll do one a month and that gives us time to shoot, prepare, edit, and then do the next one. And it just, it gave us a, a bit more flexibility. Um, it turned out being way more stressful than we expected, but uh, it definitely, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun and, and really cool to kind of do something different that we hadn't done before and also kind of break more into the horror comedy space as opposed to the straight horror, which we had been doing. Yes, yeah, yep, yeah, I noticed that, yep. Yeah. So how so how did you cast for this film? So like with uh with, with all of our films, I mean we've got a really we, I'm I'm in Sacramento, um and we've got a really good kind of filmmaking group like friendship group uh randy and i both work at a film school um so we've got we have we work with other filmmakers there and we've, we've met other actors through that so we, we basically we try to write parts for people that we know um or we try to get people attached prior to writing the parts so we know um what we're working with and obviously when you get a letter of intent it doesn't always it doesn't always follow through like um we've had like kane hodder and felissa, uh, felissa rose attached to projects that didn't come to fruition okay. um but it, it what is cool is like once you have those faces and those people attached you can then really like write the part um with someone in mind whether it goes to them or someone else but yeah so uh, i mean with with the christmas tapes like um we'd worked with i think we'd worked with everyone on that one before minus dave vernon uh, Devin and um, Ruby. So we, and there's, there's like another 12 main actors that we had worked with before. So we knew who we wanted. And a lot of the other people, instead of like auditioning, we would, we would ask people we knew whom we trusted um, and stuff we'd seen of their work before. So it was kind of, this was a lot easier to cast because we had infrared. It had, it had come out, it had been released by Terror Films. Um, it was very present online at the time when we were casting. Um, there was a lot of stuff out, so we were able to say, hey, look, we've already done this. It gives us some sort of validation and proof that we're going to follow through and finish the film. Because, um, I mean, I'm sure you're aware, like, there's a lot of... I, we've all done it, like, where you start a project and don't finish it, right? So, yes. um, obviously, like, obviously, earlier in... When you're, when you're, like, playing around earlier in the career, but um, we were able to be like, cool, we've already got Greg Sestero on board, and that legitimizes the project. Um, we already had Terror Films interested... Uh, which was great. So, because um, we're building, we were, it was, we'd already started building that relationship with them. So, it did. De it definitely wasn't a difficult. It wasn't a difficult film to cast. Even Ruby, who I, I think Ruby Setnick was was amazing. Um, she's a stand up comic. Uh, I don't know if she'd done any film work before, um, but I'd seen her live. Caleb Lush, who's in it, um, he's another stand up comic. He runs the uh, Don't Tell Comedies out here, and um, he he recommended her, and I was like, oh, I remember seeing her. Like she had a really cool presence. So we were able to kind of like uh, bring her in that way. So there, I, there's no real rhyme or reason. I do recommend to, to like indie filmmakers to same thing, like have the location first, have the actors first, if you can, so you can write to the strengths of, of that. I, I, that's, I mean, that's something that we always really try to do because there's nothing, you don't want to make, write this like amazing haunted house movie and then you're never going to find a house with all the corridors that you imagined, right? No, correct, correct, yep. Yeah. So out there on the West Coast, I hear that it's different. Like, you have to pay for damn near everything. Excuse my language. Like, you have to pay for, like, locations, uh, pay for all of that. Uh, it's funny. Um, the 
I'm actually smiling at that question. Sacramento is very different to, say, the Bay Area or, or Los Angeles, right? It's a much quieter city, and we're only, what, an hour and a half from San Fran and six hours from L.A. So um, here we do ha- – there is a film commission, but for the most part, I mean, anyway, you're going to have to pay for a location if you want a really cool spot inside, right? Um, but filming out on the streets, you can get away with things here. I mean, um, you've seen Christmas tapes, I think – a lot of the locations came from people knowing someone or having someone. Um, I mean, we, we pay our cast and crew. Um, and, yeah, we, we obviously we, we try to keep our funds low. We're self-funding our films. So it's um, it's definitely it, West Coast, yes. I know exactly what you're saying. But Sacramento is kind of in its own little bubble, a little supportive bubble where people are willing to help, which is really, really nice. There's a really good film community here. Okay. So... You each film on the Christmas tapes. You, you, I noticed that you went different routes. Like you had the urban legend story, you had the revenge story, you had a experimental story, you had supernatural story. Like, uh, so with each film, like, what did you like consciously choose to to write each story differently with different things? Like, you know, with the with the road trip, that was more of an urban legend one. Then you had the supernatural one in the cabin. You had the experimental one that was real quick. Was like a first-person virtual reality. Yeah, I would consider like it like a video game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the um, the intention was to make all of them be different, right? We didn't want them um, becoming similar. I think initially, uh, before we shot the Paranormal Perry episode, um, the we were thinking, oh no, is this too close to the Hans Trap Scarecrow one? Um, and we were able to kind of adjust that. But, like, the actual goal going in, originally the the pitch was we were going to do every single film in a completely different style of found footage. So Ooh. we were going to have your traditional. We were going to have... Um, sorry, my cat's meowing. Uh, we were going to have screen life. There was going to be security cameras. There was going to be, um, like, body camera. We were going to really try and do something different for each one but then once we wrote the stories it felt it felt like we were trying to force that idea onto stories that didn't necessarily need that so there was more of a traditional route to it um we did end up obviously with the first person one in there um but yeah the the intent was to make something different for each one so that people didn't feel like they were seeing the same thing over and over again um but it definitely evolved very differently from what we pitched to uh, what we ended up shooting okay so with each story, did you have like a script or did you just let them improv and with an outline? Yeah, so we had very, very detailed outlines. Um, I think when you've got actors that you've worked with before, actors that you trust, um, that you know can do good improvisational work, uh, there's that room for that. And that's what we had on this one. So, um, yeah, we, we, as the, the, sorry, I just need, give me one second. Oh, no problem. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so the we had a uh, we we just had outlines, but they are very detailed. Um, and the way that myself and Randy work, if there's multiple actors, we'll we'll work with each actor separately. Um, we'll keep information from them that they don't need. We'll give everyone their goals, and then we'll play it through, and then we'll um, adjust as we go. Usually, it's the second or third take where it really um, hits, and we know we've got something, and then we move on. So, okay. All right, so how many shooting days did it take, like, for each film? I know you said you, you spaced it out, like, one film a month, but, like, each, like, what? how many shooting days did it take? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on on the short. Um, like, the wraparound story we did in one day, the Scarecrow stuff we did over two, because um, obviously, like, we were, we were in multiple locations, we were out in the snow. Um, the Paranormal Perry was two days. The short, the super short was just, was a day. Um, and then the other one with the box was... I think we broke that up over three days. So um, it really varied based on, on what we needed. Um, obviously, when you're shooting an independent film, time is money, but at the same time, you don't want to rush because if you rush it, you, you can risk quality, um, and that's where mistakes are made. So um, I feel like we we moved slower on this one than we, than we did on infrared, that's for sure. Okay. Now I'm definitely going to check out infrared. Now, is infrared something that we have to watch before watching the Christmas tapes? Or so uh, no, there's absolutely no link other than the fact that the the Greg Sestero character is um, has the same name. So it was again he it came from him being like I want to play that character again. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if I I I I'd be, I would be surprised if this was the last time you saw this character. Um, but yeah, it was. We were just like, cool, let's like bring ideas of that character and put him in a different scenario. But no, there's absolutely no link. Um, if anything, you'll probably get more from watching Infrared before watching The Christmas Taste because it does re reveal a bit more about his character. Um, but no, they are standalone films, so which uh, was something we wanted to make sure was important um, because uh, you, you see people really rush to make sequels to their films and... At the time we were shooting this, Infrared hadn't even been released, so we're like, no one's asking for a second one. Uh, so, so let's let's make sure that we're we're making these films um, like separate from each other. And even if we did another film with the Jeff character, we'd probably try and do the same thing again because um, you you want your content to be as accessible as it can be to everybody. Okay, okay. So while filming the Christmas tapes, what's like the wildest thing that happened? Uh, I'm sad it didn't make the cut. Um, I think when we were out in the snow shooting the Hans Trapp one, um, we had to keep kind of like stopping and standing still and freezing just as like coyotes. Is it coyotes? 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 I don't know. Everyone says it mm -hmm. differently here. Um, just like waiting for them to kind of go past and not bother us and there was one there's one shot in the christmas tapes where um louise and caleb were at the tent and in the very far distance it's it's subtle and i feel like most people will miss it on first viewing and it's intentionally that way but the the scarecrow is in the distance and there's one moment where we had to just pause uh and he just had to stand still as, as the coyote just kind of like slowly sniffed and walked past him um which i thought was for me, coming from Australia, that was absolutely wild. I mean, just shooting in the snow was was a whole new experience for me. Um, but yeah, for, for us, I think that was one of the more more worrying moments. Um, but nothing really weird happened on this. All of our shoots were very very specifically planned and organised, so we didn't we didn't have a whole lot of surprises um, other than your typical losing a location the day before and then stressing out. Um, having like conflicts with uh, certain cast members schedules and having to figure that stuff out last minute, but that all kind of comes with the territory. Okay. Okay. So you made a found footage film and you made a regular, well, is, is the first is infrared found footage too? Infrared is, is your traditional ghost hunters TV show found footage. Yes. 
Okay, okay. And this was a this was a kind of like again this this came from just a conversation which led to that'll be fun to like all right that's our next film. Um, our next movie that we're doing is is much more much more of a traditional slow burn horror. Okay, so what would be the difference between well, what are some tips that you can give people that that want to make found footage films and what are what's the difference in preparing and shooting a found footage film as opposed to a traditional or um, a traditional film? I think my biggest tip is be organized. You do see people go out there. Um, found footage doesn't have a great name always, right? There's a lot of people go, I'm not going to watch found footage. And it, it's because theoretically, yes, they can be easier to make. But if you go in unprepared, um, just like any, any traditional film, if you go in unprepared uh, with a half-baked story and something that you haven't really fully fleshed out, um, it's, it's not going to... It's not going to turn out the way that you wanted it to, and I, I just I think preparation is the key, right? Um, just really, really, really working on the outline. If your actors aren't good at improv, write them dialogue. Um, if they are good at improv, utilize that. Like really, really utilize it. Uh, when casting, we looked into the improv comedy space. Um, kind of a really cool way to to find uh, actors and, and talent that hasn't been discovered. Um, but yeah, I just, I think the similarity is, yeah, definitely be prepared. Um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, make, give the characters, make, make it about the characters, not about the jump scares. The scares will come. Um, you want your audience to to care about the characters before you kill them off. Right. Inevitably in a found footage, your characters are going to die. That's the format. Um, so like really make people care about who they are. So, yeah, it really comes into the writing and, and the preparation. I mean, Infrared was very much for us a brother-sister drama, and then we figured out how to kind of, like, tie that into a horror thing. Um, obviously, with Christmas Takes, we're dealing with 15 to 20-minute storylines, so we were able to kind of get in a bit faster, but we still wanted to make sure that we knew who these characters were and, and what their motivations were. Um, the only difference between found footage and traditional, I think, is your the time on set is... is like extensively longer um, when you're shooting a traditional film because obviously you've got your lighting, you might you've got one camera rolling, um, you've got lots and lots of takes. Uh, really, it's it's you do kind of need to to take that time and and um, which I'm not saying you don't have to take time with found footage, but there is a there's a bit more forgiveness um, there for sure. Okay, no, I appreciate that. Speaking of, what what camera did you use to film this project? Oh God, uh, <laughs> we we use different cameras every films we do. Um, the it's the it's a Panasonic um, GH five. We no, we 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 definitely wanted to. Um, sorry, I, I use a bunch of different cameras all the time, so I'm kind of I'm just drawing a blank here. I think it's the HV x200 okay. um, it was basically it's a four, it's a 4k camcorder um that has like a certain cine look to it we knew we wanted to use um we knew we wanted a camcorder i wanted access to a servo zoom i wanted to be able to to punch in because I, I shot the film so i wanted to make sure that i i was able to control the zooms when i needed them um in frantic scene situations where we didn't have a lot of time i wanted to have the option of going to autofocus um obviously for most cinematographers autofocus is kind of like a 
the the devil's word but um in these situations it can be very very good obviously if you're in a low light situation you need to run it as manual as you can and i ran it manual when i could um but like a camcorder again is more forgiving and you're not going for a cinematic look um if you're trying to shoot a shallow depth of field as you, you mentioned gh5 right so if you're if you're trying to shoot a shallow depth of field um on one of those or on anything um every little bit of movement you're going to lose your focus it's going to lose that natural look to it um you kind of do want that home movie feel um so yeah it was basically yeah it was it was a large panasonic 4k camcorder um those the way they get numbered they become really hard to remember but uh uh yeah that was that was what we shot up okay okay now in case i get asked that again i'm gonna have to definitely uh write that down for future oh no future for interviews for sure for sure i was gonna ask you uh what what was your favorite story from the christmas tapes oh um I don't know, like, so from, I'm sorry, not to cut you off. I'm going to edit all of this and, and make everything sound, sound right before I put it out and everything. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know if you really wanted, like, to expose too much about the film or you wanted to leave everything surprised. But I don't know. This is just for me. But if, if not, I can, you can still tell me, but I'll take it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's fair to to some of the, the other the people in the scenes I don't talk about. Um So I think it's well. You you mentioned before there's the um, the sh the super short one. Um, so we'll push that aside because that's that's there for a reason, which makes sense when you watch the film. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, I I really like elements of all of them. I think as far as if you're looking for a traditional straight horror, I think the scarecrow one. Um, I think that is that is like your more that is your traditional found footage i think it hits the ground running and it, it ends hard and i think it's i think it really really works my favorite moment in the entire film um is a scene as a claustrophobic scene where a guy's in the back of a truck stuck in a box doesn't know where he's going um i feel like ev i feel like the emotion just from his performance the way everything kind of came together for that to me that's like the most terrifying part because it feels real um, but then I think like the standout for, for me is the character Paranormal Perry. It really changes the film tonally into the straight comedy. You've got Dave Sheridan, who's obviously known as uh, Doofy from Scary Movie, um, just uh, showing his comedic chops at an absolute rapid fire level. Um, and so, yeah, every single one has something different to add. Um, and that's, you mentioned it earlier, like uh, we, we try to do different things. So um, I don't know if I have a favorite. It would really have to depend on the mood that I'm in. Like um, I read a review the other day that referred to the second part as torture porn. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go that far. But I can, I can also see what they're saying as far as if you're trying to categorize it. Um, so yeah, first one is your traditional urban legendy type found footage um but yeah the, the, it, it definitely ends with a comedic bang i think okay yeah that's that's my favorite story the one in the box that's my favorite that's my favorite yeah. one that was that was my favorite one and, and exactly the one with paranormal porn, paranormal perry i enjoyed that one as well too i enjoy all of them but just in the order of the one with the boxes is my is my top one my top i love well, that one well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that one. I, and, uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun with Vernon playing a maniacal Santa. Yeah, that was a revenge story, right? 
or no? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll just make yeah, it. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess you could say I guess you could say revenge horror. Um that that probably fits into that nicely. Whether you're a writer, a director, a producer, you're looking to promote your film, you're looking to advertise on one of these podcasts or sponsor a podcast episode, you can reach out to me at info at microwavemedia.com. Now, Terra Films, is that your company or is that? No, no, they're just, they're an they're a, uh, indie horror distributor. They're really, really um, amazing to work with. As I said, like we, we worked with them last time and we're, we're back with them again. Um, check out what they're doing. They've got constant releases. Um, they're, their like YouTube channel is is phenomenal. The amount of like uh, free ad ad based horror that you can watch is is just really really good. And they're doing uh, great things for for young filmmakers. So we're very grateful for their support, and um, I, I will champion them uh, <laughs> any chance I get. Okay, all right. I'm definitely going to tune into the uh, Terror Films. I never heard of them. That's what that's what I was saying. But all right. Yes, I mean I mean you 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 watched your found footage. They put out the Hell House trilogy. If you haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. Also, same with like Taking of Deborah Logan and Be My Cat. Um, so they've got a good little uh, found footage record there as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, check out their films. They got some really, really good stuff. Okay. Oh, for sure. I will. I definitely will. I, I heard of the Taking of Deborah Logan. I didn't know that was a. Uh, that's a found footage film. Yeah, it's uh, amazing. Uh, it's that's like the perfect example of of doing something different um, and like it deals with dementia um and finds the the like horror story within that uh it's mm. a very harrowing film and one of the one of the best found footages for me for sure okay okay i'm, I'm definitely going to tap into it well matter of fact let's 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 get into that what are you what are your top found footage films Ooh, okay uh number one lake mungo uh always i mean if if we're gonna call it a found footage it's it's portrayed as a faux doc but that's kind of in that it's in that area um the original paranormal activity uh you mentioned only like in the first two i think the third one's really good as well okay. <laughs> um there's, there's, there's something about that that fan there's a oscillating fan shot in it which is probably my favorite shot in any any found footage it was a very creative way of capturing two rooms um oh hell house definitely uh, hell house llc um i think that's on most most horror filmmakers kind of list um there's a new one that just came out called the andy baker tape which i would would recommend checking out um that's uh i think that's on tubi at the moment that's that's a little different and then obviously uh creep is great but that's there's probably some bias there towards michael plus oh yeah okay okay i i, I believe i did watch creep before that's where somebody paid somebody to come film them with the camera i think I, yeah, it was, it's it, awesome there's only two people in the film right yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, and so that one's on Netflix, and there was a second one as well that was really good. Okay, I'm about to check out part two. Okay, I enjoy part one. All right, that's good. Mm-hmm. It seemed all right, all right. It seemed like film footage is, is is your thing for real. Like it's really your, all right. I like that. I think I just lived it. I've just lived it for the past like 18 months from when we started infrared to now. Um, I mean, ask me any genre, I'm probably going to have a list okay. <laughs> um, of inspiration. But uh, no, for the fan footage, I think Lake Mongo is probably one of that's one of my top three to horror films of all time. But the um, just just the level of like brooding dread in that film is um, is, is like feels like unmatched to anything else. I think. Okay, so what makes a what makes a film footage film stand out to you? Just the brute, like you said, the brute and dread, or uh, 
following the rules, so, <laughs> so no music. Um, but mainly, um, yeah, just realistic characters to the point where you forget that it's not real. I think that's the whole point of the genre. I mean, that's why Blair Witch landed so heavily with everybody. And, like People felt like they were just watching footage of real people. Um, so obviously, it, films need to have believable acting. Um, but yeah, really, really like that sense that something could happen at any point to kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. And I think Lake Mungo is great because they took the grief, the grief horror approach. Um, and it's, it's really dealing with a family coming to terms with the death in the family and then finding, finding the horror in that. So, um, and also adding a cool little mystery in there as well. So mm. yeah, it really, again, it comes down to development of characters. Okay. And you mentioned the rules, no music. So what are some <laughs> no music? So what are some other rules for uh found footage? Uh, no music, no cutting between cameras. You can jump cut between the one camera. Um, I mean, different people will give you different lists. Um, no, uh, oh, what is it? Um, they're they're the main two for me. Uh, is when you see like um. What was it? The new Paranormal Activity that just came out next to Kin. I really enjoyed it, but there was just one specific scene in a diner where it cut between two cameras, and that's probably not going to bother most people who watch it. But um, to me, I was like, wait a second, that wouldn't have happened if this was a fountain tape. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we, we, we tried really hard to follow that. And then just not going crazy with glitches as well. Um, we, I mean, we, we've got a few in there where we feel they're necessary. Um, but obviously some films can go real overboard with it. Uh, sometimes it works. If you've seen, if you haven't seen evidence, that's a good one worth checking out. That's like, uh, excess substance, um, style over substance, but it works really, really well. So that there are ones that break the rules like that. And that also has some music in it. Um, so again, I, I think just in general, it comes down to, is the film good or not? Okay. Um, and good is obviously subjective. So it's, it's what you enjoy, what your personal taste is. Um, I've, I've definitely spoken to people who said they like hearing the music because it helps them feel like that tone. Because, yeah, it is music can really change the tone of a scene. Um, but as far as, like, if it's meant to be a tape that was found, there wouldn't be a score on it. Exactly, yeah. And you also yeah. mentioned earlier that the, that every character must die. Is that, is that a definite rule? <laughs> It's it's not a, it's not a definite rule, but usually, I mean, if you look at the traditional ones, you see that the camera gets dropped at the end by the last per- remaining person. Okay. Um, so that uh, that was that was just more a general thing about because so many people do die or don't make it to the end of a found footage film. Um, you, it's really important to to kind of make sure that the audience cares about them because otherwise, it's like good riddance, and that doesn't. And I'm so sorry my cat's being so loud. Um, yeah, I just think uh, I think it's important for us to care about the characters. Okay. Uh, 